patients at risk, a discussion of the dangers that patients face when physicians are replaced by non-physician practitioners. I'm Rebecca Bernard, and I'm joined today by my co-host and the co-author of our book, Patients at Risk, The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare, Dr. Naran Al-Ajba. Good evening. Advocates of nurse practitioner and physician assistant independent practice often argue that non-physician practitioners can provide the same quality of care as physicians, even though they have a fraction of the training and education of medical doctors. Today, we will explore the differences in training, and no one can speak better to these differences than someone who trained in both fields. Today, our special guest is Dr. Robin Rose, a physician who trained as a nurse and a nurse practitioner before she changed courses and decided to become a family physician. Dr. Rose, welcome. Thank you very much. Robin, thank you for joining us. And can you tell us about your background? I came in older than most people. Um, I had an interesting beginnings, kind of a 60s kid. Um, went to college for the wrong reasons and escaped and ended up living in India in a fishing village and shadowed with the doctor. I ended up doing a lot of stuff for people. I would go to their house, run to the doctor's house. He would tell me what to get. I'd jump on the bicycle, go to the pharmacy in town, go back. I was 19, I had a lot of energy and I learned some stuff. So when I came back to America, I actually ended up living in Tennessee and through some lovely stories that I'll spare you guys at the moment, ended up working as a nurse's aide in a very rural county hospital in very rural backwoods, Tennessee. And in those days, the nurses would stand up when the doctors came in the nurse's station. I, I didn't do it and got in trouble. Um, it didn't seem like it was worthy of my time. And so, note, there are issues around medicine and how nursing has been treated. And I will never underestimate that. It's, it's something that we, especially we as women physicians, need to know and support. I ended up becoming a $2.10 an hour nurse's aide. And I did an EMT program. And then... Ended up marrying somebody who was pre-med. I was pre-nursing. This was Tennessee in the 70s. So ultimately, I did a RN program. But here's an, here's an interesting quirk in my story. I typed fast. It was one way that I supported myself all through college. I mean, I got to where I could type as fast as I could read. And then I started studying speed reading. So I, I, I could make a living doing this. I should have been a court reporter, one of my patients told me. And so I started typing class notes for my now ex-husband's med school class. They did recordings. And so I was actually studying medicine. I did basic sciences. Well, I was a really annoying nursing student. I sat in the front. You know, I was like Hermione, raising my hands, asking questions that they weren't prepared to answer because I'd been reading Guyton and I'd been, you know, studying biochemistry with the med school students. So we got a pediatric nurse practitioner certificate in those days as undergraduates. And what I realized, I was a little bit older at that point, and I 
didn't have any interest in working as a nurse in the hospital. And so due to my skill as a writer, I was able to convince the University of Missouri to allow me to just turn right around and do this program. So I did a master's family nurse practitioner program. It was in the 80s. It was fairly rigorous. Um, compared to medical school, it was not. Again, it's hard for me to really separate out what I know because of the nurse practitioner program, because I had been studying basic sciences. I did not learn any of that in nursing. The biochemistry was very simple. The anatomy and physiology was ridiculously simple like you're you're saying uh, robin by comparison to what you later experienced at, in medical school your training in nursing program and nurse practitioner program was a much different version well even at the time because remember i had a husband who was then in the family practice residency when i was a family nurse practitioner student so I, I was actually able to compare day by day, moment by moment. Basically, I did this nurse practitioner program and, and um, got a job working with a GP who had not, he had been an RN, went to med school, just did one year as an, in, you know, went to an internship. And so I worked in his office and found him to be very sloppy compared to what I had been seeing at the university. I went back and I did organic chemistry and physics and cried over physics homework. I am not a good math person, but I got accepted. I had been working as a nurse practitioner in a rural clinic. I was precepting fourth year med students with the physician I worked with. It was a great clinic because we had a very full array of clinicians. So in that setting, what I saw was a very appropriate role for a nurse practitioner. There was a doctor who was there and we ate lunch together and talked about stuff or he'd say, hey, come in and look at this. What do you think? That to me was perfect. I, I knew my limitations, but the best day of work there was when my partner called and said, you got the, you got the big envelope, not the little one. <laughs> Which meant you had been accepted to medical school. University of Arizona, College of Medicine. I'm really glad that I persisted because basic sciences was not easy. And I'm not that stupid. So if it was, if, if I knew it already, it wouldn't be so hard. As far as, as far as I could tell, the depth of basic sciences, I used to make a joke that in nursing and in the nurse practitioner program, we did the abstract, you know, or the first paragraph of a chapter. And in med school, we did the whole chapter. And in residency, we did five of those chapters in five different books. So it sounds like there was what you're describing is a significant difference in the depth of the education. And can you give us like some real world applications to that as far as why you think that is important or is it important? Was it worth it for you to go back and go to medical school and residency and spend all those extra years when you really already had a career as a nurse practitioner? Yes, it was well, well, well worth it. Um, I did not want to miss things. I'll tell you my story. Um, I had a partner who um, was a young man. He went in for bronchitis. He'd been a smoker, got antibiotics. 
nurse practitioner saw him. This was a long time ago. So the nurse practitioner actually worked with her husband at that time in a small town in Missouri. Basically, he after the fourth time of antibiotics, it became obvious that something else was going on. Platelet count was 19,000. He had a very acute presentation of leukemia and subsequently died. And the awareness came to me that you can't be casual. The worst case scenario is always on my mind, even though you don't know it is. Because they don't want to freak out every patient who has a splinter that, you know, it's a foreign body, you know, from another planet and you're going to die tomorrow. I mean, you know, the crazy things that people worry about when they hear too much detail, but I have to. And I mean, I had a, my own experience where I live, the medical care is interesting. Especially since you're right now, you're living in, a, in an isolated part of Hawaii where there is, it is considered a medically underserved area. And you shared a little bit with me about the fact that you guys have community health centers there to provide care. And really right now, that's mostly being provided by nurse practitioners, even though you've known physicians who have tried to apply to work there, but they've been passed over in favor of nurse practitioners, possibly for cost savings. Where I live, it's interesting. It's not Maui here. So the community values having locals be in charge of stuff. The nurse practitioner who's here is a local, and that's really important to people. Well, we do know that, of course, in, in rural and isolated areas like you live in, it, it is hard to find access, but you also shared with me a story about how you actually had to get on a plane to fly to Maui for some specialty care, and can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Oh, sure. You know, we, we do have, I mean, there are some physicians on the island, primary care, their practices are full. So I had some cardio kidney related stuff and decided I needed to go get a cardiologist. So I called one up, asked somebody on Maui, who do you like? And went and got, you know, did the echo and, you know, just did all the cardio testing that an almost 70-year-old should have it anyway, and rescheduled to go back to review the results. And the logistics here is it's about a 45-minute drive for me to the airport, and I don't like to do it alone, so my husband and I go. That's $200 in transport fees. Of course, then we rent a car. And so I show up, and I'm seeing the PA. And I swear to God, I mean, this reminded me of my father when he became demented and he finally decided he wanted to show me the financials that he had. And it was kind of like really a big moment for me because he picks up these folders and he literally says, well, this is this and this is this and this is this. And I was like. So he, wa oh. he wasn't telling you anything you didn't know, in other words. He wasn't telling me anything. Right. He was literally saying, this is this. Well, this is this. And that's kind of what she did. She shows me the echo report. Well, this is this. And I'm asking her questions and she's like, eh. well, and I I'm able to sort through the details is what you're saying. What's that? I'm able to sift through the details is kind of what you're saying. She didn't know anything. I think what to me is the most egregious of all this is that you actually had to drive to an airport, get on an airplane, fly from your island to another island, then get transportation again, I would imagine, and all go through all this rigmarole and then back again 
only to be seen by someone with less education and experience than you yourself have as a physician and really to get very little information. I mean, to go through those lengths and then to get care and not even see your own specialist physician, that's really concerning. That's a lot of what we talk about in our book, uh, uh, Patients at Risk, the Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare. The idea is really to empower patients so that they know what to ask for. You know, we as physicians even have these experiences, and you're not the only doctor that I've spoken to that's gotten a big runaround and and, um, had to really fight for the ability to see a physician. You would think there'd be some uh, professional courtesy, but it's not always happening, especially in corporate environments. So we really wanna get the word out that patients need to advocate for themselves and need to sometimes demand to see a physician, especially if their situation is uh, worsening or they have a a new problem. We would highly recommend that they make sure that they ask for physician-led care, and that means seeing a physician for problems. I just want to say that, you know, working in an underserved area as well, um, and obviously we have um, uh, Native American tribes uh, that need care as well, and and I think have kind of had similar experiences to the Hawaiians, I've you said, being marginalized and not being properly cared for. And what I'm concerned about is that, like you said, there's this privilege to being a physician and asking for physician-led care. But I'm, I'm so worried about um, other patients that don't have that privilege, and I, I don't want them to have to fight harder or when they fight not to get physician care when they need it. And so to me, living in an underserved area, that's been a frustration. It sounds like the same for you, Dr. Rose. You know, I, I like the idea of nurse practitioners. I like the idea of nurse practitioners from the way it was when I went to school, and Honestly, I, I didn't even, I wasn't aware of all this. You know, I was a little bit oblivious. I had my own issues going on and parents dying and blah, blah. And so I made a joke. I saw some ad on Facebook and I was like, I, I, that, like you get a certificate, you know, that would be really good training. I mean, I, I didn't realize the extent of this and the aggressive nature. I mean, it's become ugly. It's like, and it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I, I didn't realize it. And I don't think patients realize it. Correct. You know, I mean, even when I was in practice, but there was a quote, doctor, somebody who was really a nurse something. And I was catching a lot of botched office surgeries and going, who is this? You know, to find out, oh, you know, so th- this is, this has been brewing for a long time. And, you know, I think you you brought it up. The corporate issue, I don't think has done us a favor. I don't think it's done physicians a favor. I don't think it's done patients a favor to prioritize profit over patients. And and believe me, I wasn't not into making money. But, you know, I used to live in a community where we use the term first cause. And if the first cause is not your aloha, it's obvious. And the patients are going to go to a nurse who's nice if you're not. That's such a good point. And that's something we talk a lot about in the book is that um, there's so many systemic changes that need to happen. And physicians need, I think, increased autonomy so that we do have the time to show the compassion that we feel. Because I think most physicians, most that I know, have a great deal of empathy. But somewhere along the way, after you're seeing your X number of patients and you're charting and you're you know, to late hours of the night, it gets harder and harder to show that empathy 
because of these, these, uh, this burnout that we face. So you're hundred percent right that we need to take back control so that we can give patients what they need and also take care of our own mental health as well. You know, it started really because of that and physicians started turning over more and more stuff in the office. And so it was a collaborative relationship. And and I had that in my own office. I'm still friends with the RN. She had a bachelor's degree, very bright. And in the long period of time that we worked together, she took on more and more because she learned stuff. I mean, she did a lot on the phone. I mean, we did telemed before COVID because she would call people and check in and did a lot of nurse visits that we build for. Where it shifted to the independent practice, I don't know. I mean, I, I, and I agree with you, the rural area thing, maybe if you really had a sincere, true, real relationship with a physician, with telemed, maybe it's on all the time or, you know, whatever, the, the media abilities these days is amazing. That way it could work because you know i mean you i think you're talking about a profession based in a, in apprenticeship which is what medicine was originally based in exactly i think it's so important that many of the rns that um we can work with and mentor over time can do a considerable amount of patient care in the office and I think that model is such a beautiful model. We talk about the Burlington original trial, which was done in the, in the early 70s, as kind of being the ideal. And it showed how much of a difference, you know, training and mentorship can make. And, and I think it's gone off the rails, though, since then, which is some of our problem. Well, you know, one of the things that I think is that just the very way that we actually all met, both myself and Naran and now Dr. Rob and Rose, is through uh, professional organizations and in our case through social media. We've all met through Physicians for Patient Protection. And I think uh, us coming together and having these discussions and educating one another, I mean, we're trying to get the word out to medical students and residents so that we can uh, start to enact some of this change. And so um, I want to thank you all for being part of that. And uh, of course, I want to encourage everyone out there for physicians, if you're interested in learning more about this and getting involved, please join us. Physiciansforpatientprotection.org is our website. And of course, uh, please get our book, Patients at Risk, The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare. It's available on Amazon and also at Barnes and Noble. And uh, please stay tuned for our upcoming future podcasts with other guests. And hopefully we'll have Dr. Robin Rose back again with us. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.